hell was that? All I did was turn on the water. That's all? That doesn't sound good. Nope. You should see the... I guess it's the water. I don't know. It's revolting. Okay. So the plumbing's not perfect. We'll get it fixed. It's not the end of the world. You didn't see that water. Look, this is an old house. It's going to need some work. You've got to expect that. I didn't expect that water. It had legs. A little work, a little care, a little imagination, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fun fixing it up. You'll see. I don't know, Walter. I've never been any good at that kind of thing. What kind of thing? Work. Well, you can't go into it with that kind of an attitude. You've got to be more positive. Oh. A little care, a little imagination, and a positive attitude. What was that? Nothing, dear. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. With you tonight is Suzanne. Greetings. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to have you, of course. With us tonight is a special guest. Uh, he is the head honcho of this Legion podcast. This podcast network we call Legion. We are Legion. I'm saying too much already. Uh, Mr. Bo Renzel, how you doing? I am doing well. I, I felt like all of that was a perfect summation of the general chaos of the network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fun to be here. It's been a while. So uh, I here's the thing that I like about about the cinema beef as the kids call it, is I like the fact that the movie pairings always, <laughs> it, it's not something I would ever put together, but as soon as you hear the two uh, movies together, you're like, oh yeah, of course. That makes perfect sense. You know, like these two movies uh, that we're talking about tonight, I don't necessarily think of them as as similar until you actually stop and think about it for two seconds. You're like, oh right, these are almost exactly the same movie. Uh, I appreciate that you appreciate my programming because, you know, sometimes uh, I do my best thinking at the John. I tell people all the time, like, yeah, just, they, they, that goes together. And, you know, or like random research that you, you find this this one movie that sounds awesome. Like, you know, spoilers coming soon. A face of the crowd and female trouble are going to go together real soon. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that show. Um, oh, all yeah, right. It's going to be wild. <laughs> I like the spring fair. We, I did this for Suzanne, for a, for a former friend of hers. Chris, was it Christmas, Suzanne? We watched Female Trouble? Yep. And just to see the reaction of strangers as you watch Female Trouble is, is uh, one of the best experiences ever. You know. <laughs> well, it's just uh, a good Christmas movie as a rule. Definitely, definitely. Oh, definitely. I, I think John Waters, famously a, a holiday kind of guy. Well, he loves Christmas. He does Christmas albums, and you know he's he's a holiday he's a holiday fan. You know, yeah. but um, cha cha heels. I need to read so, the the hitchhiking book. I still haven't read that, and I bet that's great. Oh yeah, I I checked that out too. I never actually knew that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. He spent like a several months or a year or something just hit, hitchhiking around and wrote a book about it. So just uh, you know, cool John Waters shit that John Waters does. Nice. I'll start the show the same. We always start the show and I'll ask you, Bo, what you've been watching lately. Um, I have been watching a lot of, uh, a 24 movies for, uh, a, a, a podcast that I'm, I'm doing with, uh, Duncan and Jamie. 
over on podcast under the stairs. So I've been watching a lot of those movies, uh, which are very, you know, uh, kind of artsy fartsy horror movies, but, but tend to be really good. Um, and, and kind of right alongside that, uh, I have been, uh, you know, and, and like the good shit there is like, uh, if you haven't seen it, you should watch, uh, a ghost story is, is a really interesting movie. Um, any opportunity, uh, or excuse I have to watch the killing of a sacred deer is a great one. Um, but alongside like really great, you know, heady horror movies like that hereditary and that kind of shit. Uh, I've also been watching the Ouija experiment and the Ouija experiment too, uh, for a little side project I'm doing. And, uh, those movies are practically not movies. And, and it's really interesting to like the extremes of cinematic thought to watch like the Ouija experiment two on a Thursday and then watch hereditary on a Friday and, and be like, wow, I, I, I am I, so, one of these things I'm doing wrong and I'm not sure which it is yet. I had this plan one time to, to watch a lot of films with the word blood in the title and do a podcast about that. But I made it about eight, eight movies in and just said, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's just, it's just a bad idea. Once you get about eight movies in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm probably, you know, tap dancing on that landmine right now. Uh, definitely like the Ouija experiment too. We're, we're about to record that show this weekend. And then the next movie is Ouija Shark. This seems like a you and Richard. What? This is this or you and Richard? Yeah, Richard. Richard uh, proposed doing Ouija Shark, and I can't be look because there is something wrong. I, I see before regarding irresponsible parents. Um, I I can't say no to a movie with as stupid a title as Ouija Shark, and and that's my fault. That's on me. Ouija, Ouija Shark. Um, how shark I, 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 I like how shark I don't know what it is it's just uh, shark films so oh, well, like, yeah. and, you know isn't there a shark exorcist movie or something like that too I, yeah there is a shark exorcist movie which um, I, I've seen a little bit of I think I had it on in the background or something because I'll throw a shitty movie on uh, while I'm, you know, cleaning the house or something, uh, and just kind of check in on here and there. And I feel like that was one of those that I kind of half-ass watch once upon a time just to make sure like, okay, this isn't really secretly good. Is it? Oh, okay. No, no, it's really crap. Okay, good. You know, there, there's some movies like that. There's a movie called I bought a vampire motorcycle, which I thought was going to be really stupid, but you know what it was, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, like there are a handful that'll sneak up on you like that. Um, it's uh, it's been a while since I had one really knock my socks off that that kind of looked cheap. You know, I'll tell you, uh, maybe Wolf Cop. I, I saw that for the first time just last year, and I thought that was like a better and smarter movie than I would have given it credit for. I agree. That really surprised me the first time I watched it, which made me have to turn around and watch it a second time. And I, I just enjoy it. It's, it, it looks a little cheap, but I can't help myself. I like it. Yeah. It, it's got a really like crazy kind of energy to it. Um, and, and a willingness to be like, it kind of knows what it is, but it also 
isn't making a cheap movie on purpose. And, and that pisses me off. I hate when a movie is just like, look how cheap and bad we are. It's like, ah, fuck you. Anybody can make a bad movie. Try to make a good one. True, true, true. But I'm cranky and old. <laughs> Anything else, sir? Um, I'm not, uh, not really. I mean, every now and again, I'm trying to finish watching Shit's Creek. Uh, and, and that's been an ongoing process. Like I was saying, I just don't watch as much TV as, uh, I used to. So I've been watching Shit's Creek for like, I don't know, four months. And I know that people watch that show in like a day and a half. And I just, it takes me weeks, but it's good. I, that's a, that's a show I really like. I mean, I know that's non horror, but Schitt's Creek is fantastic. It's such a, a, a sweet, good hearted show. Uh, and maybe that's why I'm taking my time with it. It's, you know, in these trying times, uh, <laughs> Gary and Suzanne, we all need <laughs> something to hold on to. And for me, it's uh Catherine O'Hara in Schitt's Creek. She is a delight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, she's she delight in general. Yeah, yeah. Old hot takes Ransdell here. Catherine O'Hara, <laughs> good actress. So I, I can I can watch Best in Show probably twenty times in a year, and you know, stuff like that. Just, she, she just um, she shines. Her her and Eugene just shine too together. Yeah, I I watched that not long ago. As a matter of fact, as well, and um. That I mean, it's a funny movie, but as soon as Fred Willard shows up, he's just like, oh, I'll be taking this movie with me. Thanks. (laughs) 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 When that bit about like, so these miniature schnauzers now, is there some sort of process to get them to this size? (laughs) They're like, no, that's that's just breeding. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, it's fucking great. What about you guys? What do you think? Go for it, Suzanne. It's funny. It's funny you guys mentioned Catherine O'Hara because we recently rewatched A Mighty Wind, and then my husband brought up the soundtrack. So we were having some drinks and listening to all the songs on the Mighty Wind soundtrack too. There, that movie kills me. And once again, I, I love, I, I love that movie. I love. I hate to say it, I like the music. It's fine. And, and Bob Balaban is the one who stole that one for me just because he was he, he was just as a little meticulous self and worrying that someone's going to get poked in the eye by the cherry blossom. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Balaban is like a secret weapon in any movie he's in. He's always great. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, I what was the one where uh, the. English, the people above the stairs and below the stairs. Damn it! What's the name of that movie? The people under anyway. the stairs. No, what? You, what? It was. It was just this English mystery movie that Bob Balaban was in with uh, Helen Mirren. I can't remember the name of it, and I feel like a complete moron right now. Are we talking? Sorry. Wait, Goss, not Gosford Park, right? Yes, Gosford Park. Yeah, Thank that's uh, Robert Altman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got that little role in that movie. And once again, he steals every scene that he's in. Yeah. 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 He's just so good at, in every little role. And let's see what else. Uh, Hubs and I have been kind of going through and rewatching Eureka again. This will be about our seventh, eighth, maybe even ninth time through the series. Still keeps getting better. <laughs> 
I wasn't the I wasn't big on the uh, the Eureka, but I fell into Warehouse 13 in a big bad way. Oh, I loved I, Warehouse 13. I just thought it suffered. The last two seasons were just meh. You're you're not wrong, but I have a Saul Rubinek fetish the same way I have a Bob Balaban fetish. <laughs> and you can uh you can throw uh oh geez, uh Gary help me out the guy from Charles Martin Smith. I was going to say the guy from. Never I was, I was going to say, this is what I think of like. I was like, who would win a wrestling match, Bob Balaban or Charles Martin Smith? Because I, I have no answer to that question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the viewing public is who wins. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, God. And speaking of, I finally replaced my copy that I lent to somebody and they, of course, lost. Placed my copy of The Deadly Spawn. So I got, I rewatched that recently, which is my favorite <laughs> B movie. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's it is one. I have the soundtrack on vinyl that I bought and I spent too much money for from Mondo. And that's we watched Jaws again, and that's kind of what I've been watching. Oh, I've been watching some stuff. It, it always happens, where you know I forget to say stuff the last episode, but I'll say the stuff this episode that I watched the last time. So it's an inter- interesting anyway, you know. Um, somebody pointed out to me there was a movie that I'd never seen before. I've heard the title before. Uh, Pretty Maids all in a row I watched uh, for the first time. And it, it is a wacky movie from, from the 70s. They can only be made in the 70s. In which Rock Hudson lay, lays pipe on young co-eds and murders them. It was a spoiler, I guess. But, you know, it, it's, huh. it's, like, it's like really wacky. He's in there. Uh, Angie Dickinson looking looking hot in that movie. Um, just seventies threw all threw up all over that movie. How can I forget? Kelly Savalas plays the detective in that movie, looking to see who the killer is, and it's just done for laughs, kind of. Who where, investigates you, baby? I, I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's it's weird. It's like you're supposed to laugh at this or not laugh at this. It's just it, it seems like it's done for laughs and. That's the confusing part about it, but then again, it was made in like 1971 or something, so it was just made like in the right time to where you could be a little wacky with your murder, I guess. I don't know. Um, I think it's not not based on the Eagle song of the same name. (laughs) What would that be? I'm sorry. There's an Eagle song called Pretty Mates All in a Row. Oh, okay. One one of the few. I think it's Joe Walsh on that, that joint. Anyway. Could be. Sorry, obscure Eagles trivia is just I'll what I do out. on Thursdays. <laughs> no, what else? No, oh yeah, because 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 I, I willed it to Nudie and Nudie added them for me. I I got a couple Musketeers joints in because I enjoy that kind of thing. I rewatched The Man in the Iron Mask because it's my favorite my favorite Musketeers cast of all the, time. The DiCaprio one with the like Dicap- Jeremy Irons. That and- one, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is uh, Gabriel Byrne. Who else is in that? That is a good cast. Uh, John- John Malkovich. Um, oh, the, shit. Yeah. The unfortunate now Gerard Depardieu, because he's done bad things now, but I can still enjoy his work and that movie for sure. I mean, he was probably doing bad things then, too. Well, but. probably, yeah. But you, <laughs> but, you didn't know it then, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, you know, Gerard Depardieu being kind of a piggy jerk. Yeah. Who was, who was like on their heels when that revelation came. And if you um, ever want to see Gerard Depardieu's full butt in that movie, you get to see that. And that's, that's something in that movie, but um, 
all in all, another great Dumas story. And DiCaprio, I, I, I like him in most things. I, I don't I don't like him in every everything, but I'd say 85% of his catalog, I like him. And Himbley being the, the snide King Louis, and of course, his, if you don't know the story, his twin brother is locked away with an iron mask over his face to hide him. And of course, they're going to make the switch so they can save France and feed the people and yada 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 and you know it's uh it's, it's good um one that i can't say if it's good or not because i'm i'm still i'm still unsure but the guy that once made those resident evil films and event horizon paul paul, paul ws anderson made oh a yeah made a musketeers film and i i was intrigued by the cast because and, and you should be because you got mads mickelson as, as rogue fritties wearing leather and an eye patch in that movie and looking crazy. Um, uh, Lauren, Lust- Lauren Lester, uh, Percy Jackson himself, is in that movie as D'Artagnan. Orlando Bloom's in that movie. Mia Jovenich, of course, is in that movie doing stuff. But the the problem is it has it has a lot of cool action in it. And, you know, but then they say, hey, because so, we got to steampunk this bitch up, let's throw airships in there and shit and just, like, where they don't belong in a musketeers and have them flying in the air, shooting cannons at each other and stuff. It's just, it's really out of place and strange, but I expected it to be like this, this kind of mashup between the movies that guy makes in a musketeers movie. So it, it was, I'm really on the fence whether I liked it or not. It's just, it's one of those things where the good parts are really good, but the absurd and stupid parts are really absurd and stupid. So there's a, I'm really, I'm really on the fence about that one. <laughs> really high highs and low lows. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, what the fuck is with this fucking Mario Brothers shit with the airships? It's so fucking stupid. I always like the like. I'm a, I'm with you. I'm a big Dumas fan, and I I still don't think they've done a really good Count of Monte Cristo. I think that Guy Pierce one is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there was a great movie to be made of that story and that still hasn't happened yet. But, um, I thought the, the like mid late seventies, three musketeers with Michael York is is pretty good stuff. Faye Dunaway. None of them really had bad cast. I don't think. Yeah. They're, you know, I mean, well, but it's such a great opportunity too, because you get three or four, you know, good to great actors together. And be like, put on these costumes and sword fight and shit like that. It's, you know, it's a fun story. I'm sure it's most of those movies are really fun to shoot. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a good it's a good time. Like, I, I like a good rollicking swashbuckling adventure. And, and most of those three three Musketeers movies are pretty good. I, I forgot to mention the Paul W.S. Anderson version. Uh, Ray Stevenson shows up as Athos in that movie, and he's just a brute, and it's it's kind of wonderful. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I might have seen that, but when you say airship shooting cannons at one another, I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> but I may have blocked that out too. Oh, it's easy to do all all the flipping in the air, and you know, because me has got to do crazy flips and stuff, and she's the the lady to winter, so she's always up to no good, and. Um, the one I see the most is the Disney one, and I guess for yeah, Oliver Platt is uh, he's the king of my world in certain movies. And if it sounds disjointed, this part of the show, 
uh, Charlie, the, 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 the oversized wonder cat, stepped on Suzanne's phone and moved from the call. So thanks, Charlie Bug, <laughs> you, you fucking bastard, you know, because cats do stuff, right? You know, I apologize for Chonky Charlie. <laughs> Can I ask a follow up question about that, though? Good. All right. So what is the best Oliver Platt film for Oliver Platt? Because Dig- Oliver Platt is a big favorite of mine. Digstown? I, that's my go-to. He's amazing in Digstown. No, honestly, I, I have to admit, my favorite is when he had kind of a recurring role on a TV show, and that was The West Wing as the head White House yes. counsel. He's great on the the West Wing, and and I think the the other runner up there is Lake Placid. Yeah, because he's amazing. Say, I I've seen him. He he sticks out in everything that he's in, and he's just good. It he, he's just such a badass in the West Wing, though. And it's yeah. I you don't really see him playing that kind of you know ball crusher kind of role. So I I like every time he has to tell someone like. You have uh, Oliver Babbage, I think was his name on the show. It, but we yep. like, you, you have to tell me everything. And when I mean, when I say everything, I don't mean all the things you think you ought to tell me. I mean, everything. Uh, it's so good. He, yeah, you're right. He's that may be the winner. He's really good on the West Wing. I don't want to discount myself here. So I'll say my, my second favorite Oliver Platt role ever. And yeah, I lose my wrestling street cred for this, but whatever. Um, Jimmy King. And ready to rumble because uh, he, he embraced that that douchebag wrestler role to, to a T, and I love it. You know, um, I hope to meet him one day so I could uh, possibly ask him to crown me one time, just because you know, crown him, King, crown him. You know. So we get Oliver Platt, Bob Balaban, Charles Martin Smith, all in the same film. Like we we assemble our wonder cast, and there there's your next Three Musketeers movie. I spoke to Martin Landau about what Ready to Rumble, how much I love that film. And, you know, Rounders came up first. You know, one of those films where I could turn on and no matter where it is in the film and, and keep watching it. But um, he had the biggest smile on his face. I mentioned Ready to Rumble, though, so that made me happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What a what a terrific actor that guy was. Oh, and, you know, it's funny. Another one that I was thinking of, and it just snapped into my brain. He was in this movie and with another actor who's in one of our movies tonight, Lee Evans, and it's called Funny Bones. And he basically, uh, Jerry Lewis is in it, Lee Evans, and Jerry Lewis is basically playing Jerry Lewis. And Oliver Platt's kind of his son that's trying to follow in his footsteps that is not funny at all. And then he discovers he has this illegitimate son who is basically a rubber band and he's funny. And Oliver Platt kind of still playing kind of a, a douchey kind of character, but it's a really good movie. Catch it if you can. Cool. Oh, there's a new documentary series that I watched on uh, Netflix called Murder Among the Mormons. I was watching that before we started this call. Oh, it's wacky. It, it's wacky, man. You know, I, I love stories like that where, you know, if you don't know the story, I, I, I was way too young to know this story. Um, a guy in the Mormon church. Uh, who's a document collector, a document finder, uh, bombs, he kills a couple people, and because he's a, he does forgeries, like really good forgeries for, you know, Mormon documents and presidential letters, all kinds of shit, he's in all kinds of shit, and it's just a weird story about 
these Mormons try to protect their script, scripture and shit and the lengths they would go to do this and scholars talking and it's just it's, I, I haven't had that much fun with a little series since the McMillions one because it just kept getting deeper and deeper and uh, yeah. it was a good three hours put it that way guys uh, eh, there's that <laughs> I, I've been reading um, Road to Jonestown for uh, an upcoming episode of the VD clinic. And uh, so I've been really jonesing, uh, no pun intended, for more cult stories. And Mormons are pretty close. Like, especially early Mormonism is really cult-like in the sense that, you know, uh, Joseph Smith was just a weirdo and kind of a grifter. And, and it, but it's a fascinating story. So I've been really... Like, that's what drew me into that Mormon thing was because I've been doing a whole lot of, like, Jim Jones, People's Temple shit. (laughs) And that's a rabbit hole once you get into. It's hard to dig yourself out because you keep finding more and more books and some of these kind of off-the-cuff documentaries and movies. Jim Jones sold spider monkeys door-to-door. That is a fact that was previously hidden to me, and I don't know why. I, I just can't even fathom him. I, I, it, it's, it, it is one of those little factoids that I, I can't even fathom. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's one of the the fact that that is a true statement is one of the craziest things that the human species has ever produced. That we had a a, a guy a, a guy who later went on to commit one of the greatest mass murders in the history of anything. Sold spider monkeys door to door at one point in his career. Yeah, yeah, that's wild stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> I know. It reminds me how much I want a spider monkey. <laughs> but I, I have seen like ads, these legit ads that they used to sell monkeys through the mail. They used to put like send boxes with little monkeys in the mail with like air in the boxes, the like, holes in the boxes for air, and occasionally. They would die, you know, big fucking, you know, surprise on the way to the person that was getting said monkey. And it just seems really cruel, and it is, but we used to live in a world in which live monkeys were sent to, you know, awaiting children, possibly be dead in a box. You know, I'd say a lot about death children. It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> you'll learn some harsh lessons for that birthday. Oh, so awful. Which I thought I was going to get a monkey. And instead, I got a funeral. You only did flowers on a monkey grave. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> All right. The, the real emo version of it. Um, monkey in a coma. It's <laughs> <laughs> Monkey in a coma. The Justin Bieber story. Come on now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say this all day long. I've heard two instances where Justin Bieber left monkeys in an overseas country because he couldn't take them with him. And I only want one monkey. I can't, I, he, he's had multiple monkeys. That just seems unfair. Yeah, he treats them like big lighters, you know? Like, these are monkeys. This is your monkey pal. I don't know. Those monkeys probably better off without him. <laughs> Possibly. Dumpster monkey. <laughs> Dumpster dumpster monkey come on no that's that's the dead monkey in the box that's the dumpster monkey right there because what do you do with that take in a box you get dead monkey in a box Uh uh-huh step one put a monkey in a box (laughs) step two 
You mail Put that box. box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, and I rewatched Willy, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for, you know, amusement and a possible something that I may mention later or not, because I, I don't like to mention things until they absolutely happen. So it, it, it might be something fun with, with a former friend of mine, but not in former, I say former, former co-host of mine that's still my friend. So right. it might be a thing. I don't, I don't like mentioning things until it happens, though. So getting Mike Merriman all happy and shit, you know, I, I ain't doing that. No, no, no. He's happy enough as it is, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you have to, we all have to limit Mike's happiness. Work together to make sure that like, I don't want him to suffer, but let's not get him too happy. <laughs> hey, we live in a world where you know Mister Potato Head is is going to be uh you know one gender now, but the operation guy's wide awake while they're doing surgery on him. It just uh just seems unfair, you know. It's just uh. I heard they pulled back on the. On the uh, Mr. Potato Head thing, because apparently more people were pissed off that they were doing it than pissed off that it wasn't gender neutral. Yep, Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head, they all take their parts up the ass. Is all say about those two, okay? It all goes in the hatch up the ass. So they like butt stuff, I guess. You know, both of them. Hey, uh, look, there's there's always room for experimentation. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh god. Any any healthy relationship, there is a degree of of emotional and let's face it, sexual honesty, and sometimes that involves butt stuff. Well, yeah, that was uh, it. Was Gandhi who said that? Yeah, yeah, it, that that sounds legit, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> butt stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. But. Hashtag butt stuff. Ooh. But t- tonight uh, we're, we're here with Bo uh, talking Speaking about two, of sexual honesty. Yes, indeed. Two, two movies that are all about it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but basically, the, the the follies of home renovation, or you know, lack lack thereof. You know, one one. Yeah, we'll get into that. It just um, we're doing the money pit from 1986, and uh, 11 years later from 1997, we're doing Mouse Hunt. You know, it's just you get two like Bo said, you listen to them together. You know. It sounds kind of legit, so that, that's 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 the the kind of quality control I hopefully bring to you people. You know, <laughs> putting uh, two films that kind of go together in their own special way. I've done a lot worse than this, but uh, we'll um, do the money bit first and in in uh, sequential order from '86, and we're gonna do that right after the trailer. Anna and Walter are young, single, and in love. They've got good jobs, fabulous futures, a magnificent new home that they bought for a song. Who says they can't have it all? It's going to be fun fixing it up. You'll see. Some work. Five grand, five thousand dollars. That's just a deposit. A little work. When do you think you can start? Just as soon as your check clears. A little care. Do you really buy this house? Yes, it is. <laughs> a little imagination, and it's gonna be great. Oh, no! Hey, Mr. Fielding, don't worry about a thing. 
Johnny Pitt. If they've got what it takes, it's going to take everything they've got. Coming this Christmas from Universal Pictures. The Money Pit from 1986. Uh, your cheapo IMDb plot synopsis is this, and it's real fucking short. A young couple struggles to repair a hopelessly, a hopelessly dilapidated house. There's some big words in there. Good job, guys. Uh, the stars, of course, uh, the great Tom Hanks, uh, the great Shelley Long, uh, Maureen Stapleton, Joe Montana, Josh Mostel. It's like the, the early 80s threw up all over this film. Uh, Yakov Smirnoff <laughs> shows up, Brian Backer, who uh, from Fast Eyes, Ridgemont High, and other things. Oh, who else? Body by Jake shows up in this movie for a hot second. And yeah, that's always fun to see him and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I always seen this film. This is this is directed by Richard Benjamin, by the way, who uh, made some good stuff and starred in some good stuff. I always seen this film, like, partially, like on Showtime when I was younger. It didn't appeal to me all that much, and I've seen it in clips. So this is my first time watch of this movie in, in its entirety. I know this is one of X's only tolerable Tom Hanks roles ever, that they, they, according to to him, this and Joe versus all volcano, he loves very much. Um, that's a great movie. I'll kick it through, yeah, I'll kick it to our guest first. Uh, Bo, what do you think of the money pit, sir? Um, I this is weird for me because I hadn't watched this in years. Uh, but when I was a kid, I watched the money pit a lot, and so watching it again was like, oh, right, oh, right, oh, right, like I, I knew this movie backwards and forwards once upon a time you know because it probably hit hbo when i was like 14 had a little bit of a crush on shelly long was a big fan of tom hanks like the recipe was all there and i i think it's as watching it as an adult the thing that i realized about the money pit is that the story of the buddy pit is so backloaded into the third act. That is this lopsided seesaw of a movie, but it is, uh, it, it is made completely fine by the fact that Richard Benjamin does a great job directing the cartoonish action of this. And, and I think that probably as we're talking about these movies, the idea of them being cartoonish and slapstick is going to come up over and over. Like both of these movies are like, Hey, what if the Looney tunes, but real life. And, and so there's, you know, like the moment that Tom Hanks has, uh, where he's sliding down all the worker scaffolds and stuff like that. I mean, it's a giant cartoon. Um, but because Richard Benjamin is good at showing that and because Shelley long and Tom Hanks, are incredibly charming in this movie um, that it, it kind of makes up for the problems with the script or at least with the narrative part of the script. And uh, you know, I think when you get to the end of it and it's just like, Oh, we're going to break up. No, what? Yeah, we're probably fine. Great. We're together again. And all that kind of happens real fast. Um but it's filled with some really funny shit, man. The 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 stuff with uh, him getting trapped in the hole and and hallucinating the Care Bears and doing the name song, all that stuff I find very funny. The scene where the tub falls through the floor and the laugh that he gives, where he just expels like every molecule of oxygen in his lungs about every four seconds. 
it's it like all that stuff really works. And I think like Shelly long with the raccoon on her face and all that stuff, like it still made me laugh. And I had a great time watching it, even though, like I said, as an adult, I'm like, well, if I'm being honest, some of the, the narrative stuff doesn't really work, but kind of who cares? I'm having a great time. And that's, that's all this movie needs to be is a good time. And it, I think it nails that. Cool. Suzanne. Wow. I, I've, I've always found this movie to be, you know, just seriously laughing until my sides hurt. And I grew up watching it. As Bo said, it was on HBO or one of the pay channels all the time. Another fond memory of this. My grandmother wasn't really much of a movie watcher, but she seemed to really like Tom Hanks. So whenever she was up and about, we would watch a Tom Hanks movie and she she could not catch her breath. She was laughing so hard, so it kind of brings back that memory for me. My I watch this movie every time we're getting ready to a start looking for or about ready to buy a house, just so I know all the things to look out for. I sat in my kitchen flipping the switches off and on repeatedly to make sure that they weren't the tiles were going to explode and there was going to be no explosion. <laughs> um. I <laughs> I stood in the bathtub to make sure it wasn't going to fall through the floor. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a goofy ass like that. But this movie has always, it, it just, it, it is what it is. And it is just a riot. I laugh as much now as I did the first time I saw it. And I think one of the, one of the characters, I love Max. Max is such an arrogant self-centered asshole but he's got the greatest line in the entire movie paint don't tickle (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he's yeah he's a very like he is a great asshole because he's everything he does is a jerk move oh yeah he's just he's just so great he's so funny in this movie everybody is funny in this movie and oh random bit i actually had to watch the the credits for this one, but I was like, who the fuck is the band? He sounds so familiar. It's White Lion. And Roby is the girl singer. And you can't even recognize her. Yeah. Yeah. From the Friday the 13th series, of yeah. course. Burning for Springfield, of course. Right here on Legion Podcast. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad that you, like, the... But not that buying a house is like a universal experience and that it's always bad or whatever, but like having those moments where you have to shell out like thousands of dollars to get some house shit fixed. It like that to me is when you feel the most grown up is when you're like writing checks for like $3,250 for my water heater, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And the moment in this movie where Tom Hanks gets real emotional because they have stairs again. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, honey, look, uh, uh, you know, Oh, I'll, I'll use the stairs to go get your water. You know, um, that kind of thing where you're like, you know, like just recently I had my whole backyard torn up to do septic line work and shit. And seeing them like put everything back was one of the happiest feelings I've ever had. And so I, I, that's a a thing about this movie that I think, uh, appeals to me much more as an adult now than it did as a kid. 
uh, for sure, is that I have such a greater appreciation for that that sense of like, oh shit, what was that sound? That sounded like pipes. Oh fuck, that's gonna be expensive. Or for me, I had this happen uh, like four days before Christmas. I woke up one morning. I'm like, wow, it's a little chilly in here. I wonder if I bumped the thermostat when I went to bed last night. I didn't bump the thermostat. Thank God I've got a friend who's an HVAC guy who came over to take a look at it. And he was going to try to order me a part. And my husband was out of town. Of course, this happens whenever Pat's out of town. Can never happen when he's home, so he can deal with it. And I don't have to. But he came over to take a look. He was going to try to get a part. Of course, it's it's a, it's a certain brand. And only certified people from that brand can actually buy parts of that brand, which I find absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, great. So I'm like, told Hubs what was going on. I pretty much went and bought myself like a little heater because I'm like, yeah, I've got the back heater. I can just get a little one for the living room and then throw it in the bedroom for a little while at night. And then Pat can deal with this when he gets home tomorrow. Pat comes home and One teeny tiny little corner of our filter somehow got bent and it was causing it to do to to back up the heat exchanger. And then it worked fucking fine. I was afraid I was going to be stuck with a damn, you know, two, three thousand dollar fucking motor plus, you know, that labor is not cheap. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's 75 an hour. Easy. It's absolutely terrifying. And I'm like, I don't want to. I do not want to write that check five days or four days before Christmas. He comes home, seriously, unbends it, and everything is fine. Like, son of a bitch. Tell the men the truth now, Suzanne. Did you touch the thermostat? No, I didn't. Because you know you're not supposed to touch the thermostat, right? Because, you know, that's, that's, that's dude stuff right there. You know. It's funny. We've, we've changed places as we've gotten older. He's the one who's turning the heat up, and I'm the one who's turning it down. <laughs> Uh, I love this movie. I wish Tom Hanks, every once in a while, I know he's this dramatic actor now, just every once in a while, throw us all a bone and do a comedy. You were so good. As a, as a, just, you were funny. You had great timing. It, you, you made me laugh. You made everybody laugh. Take a break from the dramatic roles and just do something funny for fuck's sake, please. I'm trying to think when that churn was where you just decided to go dramatic on people and Philadelphia? Philadelphia? Yeah, Philadelphia, yeah. That'd be the big turning point right there, I think. It'd be serious all the time. And, you know, I could still watch Splash and enjoy that shit. I can still watch Turner and Hooch and enjoy it. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I can still watch Save it, Saving Private Ryan and laugh all day. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> the best comedy of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, so Sleepless in Seattle came out right before Philadelphia and then it was Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Saving Private Ryan, Pit Stop with You've Got Mail, then Green Mile Castaway, Road to Perdition. He was off and running then. So uh, Yeah, You've Got Mail's got some great com- comedic chops in that movie. I mean I, I don't even like that kind of movie, but I enjoy that movie. Well I mean he, him and Meg Ryan had great chemistry. I can't get behind his child stalking people in that Sleepers in Seattle film. I can't do it. It's just, uh, it's, uh, it's wrong, bro. It's wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a big Joe versus the volcano fan. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think that is two thirds of one of the best movies I've ever seen. 
and he's fantastic in that like as a, in a in a pretty early role he's you know he's like funny and charming and really serious and sweet at times and yeah it's it, it, like tom hanks it truly is kind of one of those national treasures one of those generational actors where it's like everybody loves tom hanks because tom hanks is great and everybody knows tom hanks is great and he's not an asshole about being great and that's what makes him even better this is true now, you have know, a program in this show. If I want to watch Money Pit first, I probably would have put Richard Pryor's moving in as the second movie. But then we could talk about Mouse Hunt, and that would make me sad. But I, I, um, I've seen a lot of similarities watching this and moving. If you watch them back to back, I think movie came out a year later, which is, um, it's got the same kind of wackiness, you know, the, the whole idea of them getting a new place, but the people who bought the place from them basically sabotaged, uh, sabotaged the house and. I think Maureen Stapleton may be Satan in this movie because she she, she sells him this. Out. She's got to sell it to him right away because I forget her reasoning why. But, of course, it's all fucked up. You know, the, the floors are terrible. The plumbing is, is fucked up. And people that were going to go work on this house before knew about this. But then again, she knew about it all along because you get that thing at the end to where Tom Hanks' father, who looks like, you know, uh, an offshore, I don't even know, like Ricardo Montalban. He's got like a mustache. Well, he looks more like Cesar Romero than Ricardo Montalban. Um, you know, he's going to buy a house from this woman now who happens to be Rio de Janeiro. So she might be like the catalyst of many. I, I want to see more of these films now. Maureen Stable is no longer with us, but she may be the, the mayhem aspect of the, of, you know, everybody's home, you know, problems. So it kind of plays like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the Tales from the Dark Side episode, but it's one of the very earlier ones where the guy had a, had a, a son that he claims wasn't his, but just fucked up his whole life. And this this was the case where she sold him this house. But I think this is like the first of many houses that she sold that she like sabotaged with her possible witchcraft. I don't know. It's uh, Wait, she she like uh, presents some sort of Faustian deal where it's like you get the house cheap. But it will reveal your deepest weaknesses. Yes. And then, and, oh, but it turns oh, out, oh. yeah, but like it turns out that our couple in this movie just somehow managed to, like, ah, oh, we defeated the, the evil spell by realizing that we loved each other after all. But then there's like 15 other houses where, like, there was a murder suicide. Well, yeah. It, and Marine Stapleton is the cause of all of it. So, right. there's a, see, I want this movie. See, this, this, so Jeffrey X. Martin and I be talking about with this movie too, and uh, I'm gonna tell him listen to the episode because I think he'd enjoy this conversation. But um, right. you know this movie, you know, much like Mouse Hunt, um, great physical comedy, and I love I love physical comedy in movies like this. This is you know like when I watch Home Alone now, I don't watch it for this this plucky kid like I did when I was younger. I watch it to to, to see how brilliant these stunts are and how the physics are just wrong and how these people should be dead, but. You know, there, there's a great bit, like you mentioned, where the scaffolding is, is, is collapsing, and he just, Tom Hanks just keeps falling. He gets he gets, he gets tossed out of a window, and again, it goes from here to there, to him taking the ride of the car down the hill into the fountain, to where, <laughs> when she turns the power on, the, the, little, the little cherub is pissing on his head, just to put a little more icing on the cake, you know? I mean, that scene to me was set up, it reminded me kind of of a Rube Goldberg contraption. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Yeah. 
But it's it just the way he was kind of going down the he, he got bounced up, fell into the what plaster and just causes chaos and going down like a pinball. It's just the setup on these gags is fantastic. Well, the, the gag with the turkey makes you laugh every time because the oven was fine when, when Shelly Long was using it. But when he goes to go ch- check dinner, it literally projectile sh- shoots itself out of the oven and through the window and into the bathroom where she is. And then the timer pops up and it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like perfect. It's perfect. And um, I like his tag on that, too, where, where she says turkey's done and he says yeah i don't think that can hurt us anymore (laughs) i know it's a real good line so i i think if the house exploded by the time because you know when it's all done it's all rebuilt you know it takes longer than two weeks of course like like the 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 guy the the motley crew of construction people say if the house exploded in the end i think it'd be like the most perfect icing of the cake that there was like yeah i just paid all this money and we're gonna live happily ever after Kind of, you know, kind of has that War of the Roses kind of ending where, you know, they go through all, all this despair and all. Oh, that's a much more violent ending. But they do end up, you know, together, you know. Yeah, that's they, more they, of a mouse hunt vibe because like mouse hunt's way darker than the money pit. The money pit's real breezy. It's not like nobody. Everybody's walking away happy from this movie. Like nobody gets hurt. Yeah, except the people that cross Maureen Stapleton because she's the devil. Natural. You know, that's yeah. us. <laughs> No, oh, but fun times, man. It did, like I said, it feels it, it feels like the age you turn this movie just by the amount of people that are in it that you recognize, and that, that's a nice like little throwback. Like like when Yakov Smirnov showed up and things. I think he's in this, and I want to say I haven't seen it because I don't all that often because I don't like it very much. Uh, Jumping Jack Flash, I think he's in too. Um, I, yeah, I kind of. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I I like the fact that he's not doing just the typical like Yakov Smirnov bit. Like he's kind of a character in this movie. He's not like you know what a country. It, yeah. It's just he's just the, the real estate agent. Like yeah, you you know Max, he can show up anytime. Uh, and, and so I think he's he's totally fine in it. Like he's not doing a shtick. As for like Paul Rubens, who when he shows up and things, he's kind of shouting in a lot of those things. So you kind of get the Pee Wee vibes in there, and. Especially yeah. like the earlier stuff that he's in, you know, I'm sure when he was still honing the Pee Wee uh, character, but not quite there yet. He was shouting in a lot of things, you know, right. and that's and, just uh, Paul Rubens. And then you get him in Batman Returns when he is definitely not Pee Wee Herman. Oh, yeah. But then he should, they, they show up again, him and um, whoever played the wife, Mrs. Cobblepot, they show up as the same characters in, in Gotham for a hot second. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it was it was kind of a nice throwback to it. That's a that's a decent show. You guys want to watch that show? I, I love that show. Five seasons in and out. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of great. Um, but the money pit was kind of great too. I, I enjoyed you know I enjoyed all of it. And they had great chemistry. I mean, it's one of these another thing these two films have in common is that the leads uh, had great chemistry. And this this is uh, like you guys said, it's, it's kind of an extreme version of you know getting your your first place and all the bullshit that entails in that. You know, you buy you buy a fixer upper, which you know this one on the surface like wow, huge yard, lots of trees, you know, nice windows. What can go wrong? A lot can go wrong, especially in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you didn't see that water. It had legs. 
which would scare Suzanne because she's terrified of spiders. So yeah, I'll, I spiders. Uh, I'll send you all her addresses to, to, to send Suzanne live spiders in the mail if you guys want to. She, she, she would oh, appreciate don't. that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have been, I've heard Suzanne on the phone saying, I'm not going to the basement. You go, why? Because there's a spider down there and bats not at home yet. Or, you know, or the bathroom <laughs> or vice versa, you know. Because Pat has to kill the spiders. He, he, yeah, right, I, I just, there we have to literally blow up the house. <laughs> this house is broken. Too many spiders. And there's the picture. <laughs> what, what's what's up, Charlie? Sabotage of shows. You know? Yeah, I thought at least if a visual aid is to the animal that cut you off. Charlie was just showing us his goods. You know? Just cat <laughs> goods. Just spread eagle on that chair of Suzanne's. Uh <laughs> I digress. I'll kick it right to Bo and uh, ask him anything else you'd like to say about the film, and uh, what does he give a one to ten? Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I feel like I blew my load on the money pit now. Um, it, it, it's really fun. It was really nostalgic. Uh, it's filled with good performances. I'm gonna do a solid seven, a seven out of ten. That feels right. Cool, Suzanne. I I still I love this movie. I watched it. I, this is the first time I watched it in, uh, let me count, two and a half years. Uh, it still holds up. Just some of the, it, for me, it's like, uh, there's just some of the bits that are so damn funny when he's talking to the the hair metal bands. Like, what, what, what st- they're used to people stealing from them. A little, it's the little things in this movie that stand out and the big gags. It's, it's always going to be a favorite of mine. I grew up with it. So yeah, I'm probably I'm I I'm, I'm gonna rate this kind of high just for the nostalgia factor. In fact, my grandmother loved it and it made her laugh. Uh, I watched it before any housing situations happen. I'm god oh, oh god, like I can't really. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half, and the half is all nostalgia. Cool. Um, I'm I'm with Bo with that seven. I uh, appreciate what it does. You know, and uh, all all this craziness and wackiness, and uh, um, yeah, it's, it's a seven out of ten, and I uh, I would watch it again because uh, I want to imagine more Maureen Stapleton as the devil, just doing devil devil things to people, and you know, because you don't get to yeah. think about that often, you know. I'm the devil, Archie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would explain so many things. <laughs> it's like oh. Meathead, I'm gonna make you complacent all your life. Oh, curses! I can't do an impression, but um, yeah. <laughs> Next up, we're gonna talk about um, yeah, more renovation terror. This time, uh, with a little furry fellow, uh, causing all kinds of troubles in Mouse Hunt from 1997. You'll hear about that after the. Give me a hand with this. The Smuntz brothers have inherited their father's old house. I'm sorry, Pop! I'm sorry! 
fixing it up could bring them a fortune. You can make seven, eight hundred thousand easy. Oh, man. Smart. Our future is staring us in the face, and all we have to do is grab it, baste it, and scarf it down. There's just one small problem. Hello. Hello. DreamWorks Pictures proudly presents Nathan Lane. We need a cat. I'm talking one mean pussy. Lee Evans. And Christopher Walken as Caesar the Exterminator. It's just a mouse. I don't think we'll be seeing any more of that. He snaps one of these babies. One of them has to nab him. Mouse hunt. Son from 1997, a cheaper plot synopsis is two stumble bum, I hate that fucking word, inheritors are, are, are determined to get rid of their anti, an antique house of a mouse who is equally determined to stay where he is. Uh, very simple plot. Uh, Nathan Lane uh, stars this film with Lee Evans, who I don't think he acted enough. I, mean, I, I wish this guy was in more things. You get lots of tons of tons of great character actors. We get more shaken in this movie. You get a uh, what you, you mentioned the Green Mile, and I forget the guy's name now. That was in this freaking movie with 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 the, with the mouse in, in Green Mile. I forget his name now, but he he's no longer was. I don't think. Oh yeah, uh, oh god, who played John Coffey? It was no, that was Michael Clark Duncan. No, no, the little the, the little guy is the, the oh, mouse guy, yeah. and I can't the mustache guy. He's he's no yeah. longer with us either, though. They both died. Yeah, Michael Peter um, from. Uh, was in uh, the Fisher King as well. Oh yeah, yes, yes, you're right. Uh, William Hickey in his last role ever. Uh, Christopher Walken as as the exterminator, fucking brilliant. And I love that Mario Cantone shows up in this for a hot second. Um, directorial debut of Gorbachev Grinsky, uh, who uh, brought us those Pirates films later and some other stuff. The Ring. Oh, and, yeah, oh yeah, The Ring and um, uh, underrated. Rango is an animated film I love, where Johnny Depp plays like a, a gecko cowboy, which is delightful. Um, yeah, watch Rango; it's a lot of fun. Um, Mouse Hunt, though, this is a film I enjoy, um, and I'm not even gonna pull any punches. I'm gonna kick it to Suzanne first, though, and ask what she thought of it. For me, this one—this is the first time I've watched it, and probably since I saw it for the first time. As for me, this is a live-action cartoon. It's it's heavy. It's it's dark. It's a lot darker watching it now than I remember it being. And I was, you know, I was still a full blown adult when I saw it the first time. I, I I think Nathan Lane is a treasure. 
he just brings this kind of a just personality to everything he's in. And I agree. I wish Lee Evans had done a lot more acting because he's once again, he's just got this, you know, just charming, sweet charisma. Just it seems like a just kind and gentle person. And everything I've seen him in, that's pretty much what I got from him. But I've randomly off topic, right? He retired from acting to spend more time with his family. So good for you, Lee. I just think for me, this movie works better in parts than it does as a whole. The mouse is kind of the only thing that ties the thing together because basically the movie's about the mouse. It's kind of it reminds me situationally of Ice Age, which is about the squirrel. Um I, I forgot this was William Hickey's last role, and I've always I, I appreciate all the actors in this movie. I have to admit there are a few scenes I find I found a little more upsetting than I thought I would when he's nailing up the baseboards and the poor mouse is stuck trying to dodge all the nails. The gag with all of the mouse traps on the floor is hilarious. Which is real, That's by like, the way. That's like the only piece of trivia I found that the mouse trap scene. They were all physical traps that had to be set up each one. Oh my god. Who was the insane person that did that? I guess the director of Avid. Oh my god. Oh, that's insane. For me, like I said, I just think this movie works better in bits. That it's a live-action cartoon. I but it's just a dark. It's it's darker than I remembered it being. But you do get like the nice happy you know, shiny package with a big bow on top at the end, which I think is kind of a travesty. I think everybody should have gone down. But it's, you know, it's enjoyable enough. Watch it for Nathan Lane. Watch it for Lee Evans. And just some of the goofy, the goofy bits. The Lee Evans threads getting caught inside the thread factory or the twine factory. That was funny as hell. Um... Vicky Lewis is in it for a, a hot second as his wife who finds out that this house that they inherited was worth possibly a fortune. It's like for me, this one, I I guess I just didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to watching it a second time. And I just don't want to talk badly about it. I'm trying to bring the, the you know, the up things. Watch it for Nathan Lane. Watch it for Lee Evans. You know, watch it for some of the Sure, for some of the cute bits. But that's pretty much about all I can say off the top of my head about it. Fair enough. Boo. Uh, yeah, I agree with, with, I think, most of that. Um, I think that it it isn't quite the sum of its parts. But I also think that, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting looking movie. And uh, I, I just watched Panic Room the other night. And I was, it was kind of strange to see how much uh, the two films were alike in that kind of, uh, the, you know, like zooming through the geography of the house kind of cinematography. And it's like, hey, we can do uh, computer editing now in a way that like allows you to do a single shot that goes all over the fucking place. And, it's, and it looks pretty good. And it, it felt like both. Gore Verbinski and David Fincher were like, it can do what now? We can go anywhere. What if we go into the wall? We can go into the wall. What if there's an elevator? We can see that. All right, let's do it. You know, 
Um, so the, it, it feels kind of weirdly a, a time, you know, when that sort of thing uh, was starting to, to happen and a lot of filmmakers were showing off with it. But uh, besides those sort of technical aspects of the movie, there's a really interesting world that the movie creates where it's sort of, you know, like there are cars from the 1930s, but it's also modern, but it also could be kind of any time between like 1920 and now. And it, it, it has a really interesting kind of aesthetic quality that I really like. Um, but yeah, the tone's kind of all over the place. Like you go from having, you know, bodies fall into the sewer, never to be seen again to, these kind of wacky antics with this cartoon mouse looking at posters of Hawaii and dreaming of mouse vacations or something. Maybe, um, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, I think you're right, Suzanne. I think like if the movie had focused on the mouse and like you saw everything kind of from the mouse's perspective, it would, it would be a more kind of coherent movie. Because it just feels so like so kitchen sink sometimes where it's like, well, we've got this storyline with Lee Evans and his wife and the thing with the mouse. And then let's get Christopher Walken in here to do a thing. And then Nathan Lane is trying to sell the string business on the side. And it it just feels like it's going all these different directions, whereas something like the money pit is is so much more focused and even though that is, I think, you know, has some narrative problems, it, it, it at least is like one coherent through line of a story. And I feel this kind of goes all over the place. And, and, and like you said, when, when you come to the end of it, it's like, oh, guess what? We're making stream cheese now. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it was, I know that's how I felt when I watched it again. I mean, I'm, the, I, cause I, I, for, I, there are parts of it that I remembered but I honestly, I must have really disliked the ending when I first saw it because I completely spaced it. And then they're doing the, the 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 string chase. I'm like, really? Like I said, you get your shiny package with a big bow on top. And I'm trying. It, it just seems like they have these dark parts for an older audience. They had these like kitty parts, you know, the the fun stuff with the mouse, you know breaking out of all these traps, shooting them down with, you know, raw sewage, um, taking Christopher Walken for a ride. And then they have these just really dark parts where the, the poor mouse almost gets impaled by nails. And it's, it's just, it's weird because it, like I said, it's, it, it, the parts just don't add up to the sum. Some parts great. Some parts are just not. It's, it feels like it's 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 a patchwork movie. Yeah, I that's wish just, it. That's just me. It, I, I no, I think you're totally right, and I think the, I think if the mouse had been a little more Bugs Bunny, because there's a little bit sometimes where it's like, ah, oh, the mouse is really he's got the upper hand. Um, I, I wish there had been kind of more of that, so that you always felt like the mouse was getting one over on Nathan Lane and Lee Evans or do it completely the other way where the mouse is just this malevolent force of chaos, but you kind of want to have it both ways where, well, the mouse is a good guy, but kind of, so are they. And I, I, yeah, it, it just becomes kind of a mess, but like all that complaint aside, there are some really 
like fun and funny stuff. And like I said, visually it's, it's kind of a treat, you know, like it's real dynamic and it has almost a Tim Burton esque kind of quality to some of it. And I, you know, I'm just a sucker for a Gothic looking, you know, kind of house and it's raining all the time in the movie. And it's like any second Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt could show up to investigate murders, you know, it's, <laughs> it's depressing. Um, and, and so there's a lot I like about it. And I, and if someone were to ask me like, Oh, I've never seen mouse hunt. Should I see it? I, I would probably say like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And it's kind of fun. Like you're going to get some laughs out of it, but it's, you know, I, it's one of those movies I'm like, yeah, I think everybody should kind of see it once. Um, and, and you might really like it, but you could also come away from it. Like we are, where we're like, you know, it's, it's got some good stuff, but it's not quite, you know, it's not quite the classic that it wants to be. It wants to be kind of a movie. Everybody can enjoy, but because it's trying to please everybody, it sort of pleases no one really. Yeah. There's one scene that still it's, it, it's been bugging me since I shot the movie, since the movie ended because Christopher Walken got like strung all the way back to his truck with the scope. But yet when they get to the house, they're bringing him from inside the house down the stairs. I don't understand how, because I know I saw that the van got towed down the road, but he was by the van when the scope curled up. That bugs me first. I, most of the time, you know, stuff like that, I don't really think about. And I'm usually surprised when somebody will point it out, but it's been bothering me. Uh- I want to see those deleted scenes because he obviously went back in the house after, you know, because the, the, the gag is he's attached to a winch on the truck, which seems really impractical. Yeah. You know, and the mouse hits the switch and he's he strung back in like a fish all the way back to the truck. And uh, he, of course, he, he he sticks his butt in the, the, the exterminator's face and say, ha ha, I got you. I'd imagine he went back in the house to try again. And I would like to see that deleted footage that scared him so bad he was hiding in a trunk. I would like well, to see the- that. The gag, though, I think, is that they they say when they bring him back out, oh, we found him in the trunk, which is where they when they're going over the history of the house or whatever, they say that the last owner was found dead in a trunk also. And I, I think kind of the idea is that this mouse murdered them both or was like murdered the previous owner and and was well on his way to you know putting another notch on his bedpost with Christopher Walken had authorities not intervened. Again, this dark subtext we're not getting in this movie. I'm kind of missing it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it, like again, because the the mouse is either you know playful scamp or the absolute devil, depending on what scene you're in in this movie. And, and sometimes, you know, the mouse is the devil. It's although I do like the, the, like the, probably, uh, my favorite like sequence in the movie is when they decide like, Hey, we got to get this mouse and they're setting the trap with the cheese and everything. And while they're focused on that, the mouse is pushing (laughs) away the wheel of cheese. And it's like, that's what I want this movie to be the whole way through is this mouse getting one over are two on two lovable dopes. It's, it's Tom and Jerry is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it's, ne- it never quite gets there because it's too invested 
and the human characters. Maybe the maybe it's the Godzilla movie problem is that they just didn't have the guts to make a mouse movie, and they invested too much on all the stupid human storylines that nobody cares about. When all you want to do is hang out with this mouse that wants to go to Hawaii. Because I kind of wanted him to get there. The fact that this movie ends without the mouse ever going to Hawaii kind of makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's also the taste tester at the Strange Cheese Factory. Right, but he could go on a, a mouse vacation from his mouse job to Hawaii. I, know, I feel could. like I need to see that. I need Mouse I Hunt too, where it's just his tropical adventure. <laughs> I would love to see Mouse Hunt too, tropical adventure in Hawaii and have him like you know, wreak havoc at a luau. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like this time, Nathan Leans and Lee Evans are his pals, but they run a fella like some jewel thieves or something. And it's up to the mouse <laughs> to save the day. Now that would have been a much better movie. I look, we've already got a better mouse hunt too than the original mouse hunt. So <laughs> just uh, Hollywood, give us a call. Frank Hollywood. Call me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I can't, I disagree, you know, the story's kind of destroying it, but I, I do enjoy the physical gags of this movie. I mean, you got, in the opening scene, you have William Hickey's funeral, and it's it's it's, it's preposterous and stupid, but he flips out of the coffin and does like a front flip, you know, crawl, he's all corpse-like still, and, and lands in the sewer perfectly, you know? So, it's, it's it starts out like that, and um, unfortunately, I, I don't buy this Blu-ray, but it doesn't have many facts about it on like Wikipedia or anything. And there's no feature commentary for this movie. I would love to hear the directions that they were going at this movie and maybe other areas they didn't explore. But, um, like we said before, it's, it's, it's a big Tom and Jerry movie with these two guys who have great chemistry. I mean, I read an interesting, interesting theory. I read, I read online. It's a, it's a theory of course, but it, it kind of works in a way that, William Hickey is the mouse reincarnated, and he's kind of trying to bring these two brothers together. But he's, you know, doing it the hard way, but by forcing them to work together in a way. Which kind of get that towards the end of the movie when they finally get the house up, but they get the brilliant idea of pumping water through the walls, which is which is insane. You know, the whole idea of let's pump water inside the wall, the, these walls, and the the swells of the the. Whatever it, it it wouldn't happen in real life, but it, it is what it is. Um, it would leak out first. Um, that whole Olin gag is great. The tub gag is, is a lot of fun. That's the two things you're supposed to have in common. They have great tub gags. So there's that um, tub based humor. Big big <laughs> these tub based humor. Yes. Um, Nathan Lane yells a lot. And that's always great when he yells about things. I like Nathan Lane as kind of an asshole. Like I oh, love yeah. the, the the birdcage and everything. Like that's maybe the best Nathan Lane ever. Get but I, I do look get a possible sequel. I'm kind of excited about that. You know, um, really? I, I mean, well, you can't. You can't. There's no way you can do that. Right? How do you do that without Robin? Yeah, without we'll Robin Williams. But, we'll see how it works. I don't know. Um, um, but you know, but I do like those those uh, films and performances from Nathan Lane, where he gets to be a little bit more of a jerk because he's a great jerk and, and he's very funny in this. And I, I like it all like another point of frustration I have is that the relationship between the two of them, I don't think is ever totally clear. Like I understand that they're, they're brothers and they're distant, but there are times where it's like, well, Lee Evans really just wants to run 
the factory, but he's also pretty quick to kind of fuck over all the workers. And you're like, well, is he like, I, I feel like one of them should be the better brother or the more moral or ethical one, but they both are kind of shitty. Yeah. The greed kicks in with Lee Evans, you know, eventually by halfway through this movie. Yeah. And, and I, I felt like, again, I feel I that just, was more his wife. It, it is, but you, I, I felt like you needed him to kind of stand up a little bit, and I'm, I'm maybe that's just his character, and it's I, I don't know, it just, like all of those relationships never felt like they totally fit together in a way that helped the story. And then, but because by the time you get to the end of it, it, it still feels like I, I, you know, this is all just kind of stuff that happened. It doesn't feel like anybody learned a lesson or anything. Not really, you know. That it was just, well, sometimes I guess just random shit happens and mice uh, invent cheese by just string cheese by accident. It's got that ratatouille ending, but you know, ratatouille is Remy's trying to make that boy the, the, the greatest chef in Europe, you know, <laughs> throughout the whole movie, you know. Right. And then, yeah, this mouse is just like, fuck that shit. I love cheese and, and I would love it in string form. So, yeah, the pimento, man, he, he steals, steals the olive. He chucks that pimento in the air, you know, it was just going to happen with those traps. And when it happens, and for some reason they start rolling around in the traps, I I, I, I laugh every time. It's one of those things. Um, there's a lot of worthless things, like the cat thing, which they play in the trailer, you know, we need, we need one mean pussy. You know, the cat thing was kind of worthless in this movie. Like I said, I needed that. I needed more, I needed more walking rather than the cat. I needed that whole second scene yeah, of him the- going back in the house. Yeah. The cat scene just seemed like it was added because they needed to fill five minutes. Oh, I forgot. There's a part of that, that scene where they would get the cat and Ernie Simbella, who's, of, of course, the, the Timon to, to, to his Pumbaa um, in Lion King. They show where the fucking crazy hazmat suit, where the incinerator is, where they throw the, 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 the non-desirable animals, obviously. Yeah. Just that being in a kid's movie... The kids aren't going to notice it, but the adults are sure as fuck going to notice it. It's like, that's like the oven where they throw the, the ones they're going to kill. And that's kind of dark as shit. And, you know, this is hidden in a children's movie. I, I, I don't think that as soon as they bring the cat home, I think all of that is kind of garbage. <laughs> but the scene where they go, Yeah, but the scene where they go to get the cat and Nathan Lane being like, I really want some... Like... It, do you have something more violent and less lovable? You know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like that scene is really funny. And the payoff is so bad that it's, again, it's just the story of this movie, right? Like there's half of the, the setup for it is so good and the punchline doesn't quite pay off. Um, but, eh, you know, it's a really funny setup. Yeah. It's one of those. It feels like, 20 people, 20 different people wrote a bit and they tried to, you know, like I said, patch the whole thing together into something that could possibly be cohesive. And I mean, for me, Suzanne, one of the big things you talked about, you know, like about the movie is that you didn't like that the rat was in, I mean, the mouse wasn't going to get impaled by the, by the nails. Do you really think he was going to get impaled by the nails? Because then you wouldn't have a rest of the movie then, Suzanne. He wasn't going to get impaled by the nails. He's uh... Oh, I know he wasn't. But there, there was, he, the, it was just like, they went too dark too fast. There was that point, though, where the the, 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 the nail gun failed, 
and didn't quite go all the way through, and he was in peril there because you know he could he could have died if it didn't fail, and so there's that. But I I don't think he was ever you know gonna die at any point in time in that movie. Oh, I know, I I, I know, but I just think they had points. Once again, they just never figured out what their actual audience was. And I think that's where the movie falls. I think that they had all of these bits, because I think I've said bits about 50 times tonight, so I apologize for overusing the word. If you really feel like it, every time I say bits, take a drink. Well, I anyway. When you will be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, for me, it just, it's it's broken. It's disjointed. It's it. It, it, they don't know they're, 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 they don't know what audience they want. They, I, if they were trying to please everybody, as Bo said, and please no one. It's there are scenes in this movie that are absolutely fantastic and hilarious, and other scenes where it, 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 they're pointless. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to reach an audience, you know. And I, 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 I always admire a film, you know, where they throw stuff in there for the adults as well as the kids. Like, the kids might not get this joke. Like, the incinerator thing. I, I don't think it's a joke, but it's like, yeah, that's in this movie. You know, and it's kind of, it's kind of amazing they just snuck this little thing in there. Um, yeah, I can name, and when I watched oh, it this time, I saw that scene and I was like, wow, that that's a fucking bummer. I mean, that's I, another thing, like, like, like Bo said, you know, you don't know what time frame they're in. Like, the, you wouldn't have that now, like a massive incinerator that you would throw undesirable pets in. But I'm sure there were parents who took their kids to this movie where, like, that and the body flipping through the air and into the sewer were just like, hey, man, we had an agreement that I was taking my kids to a funny mouse movie, and you're showing me bodies. I got to explain death to my kids now, and that's not what I signed up for. But this also could be some of the same parents that pretty much bought their kid a dead spider monkey in a box. Yeah, and we're back to the dead spider monkey again, people. Come on now. I mean, it all it always goes back to Jonestown, really. <laughs> <laughs> mother, mother, enjoy your mouse on. <laughs> oh my god, I just hurt my nose. <laughs> That's that's one of those like uh, like impressions or quick bits that if somebody gets it, you're like, oh, all right, you're a little fucked up. <laughs> I like you're one of my people. I understand you. We, we all, if you can kind of quote Jim Jones, there's something wrong with you <laughs> in a way that I understand. Enjoy your flavor aid and your dead spider monkey. A piece uh, to your primate God. Uh, uh, you can't, you can't be buying money pits and, and trying to please the sky God. No, you gotta, what what we're doing here it's it's revolutionary movie watching not 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 mass movie watching revolutionary movie watching sorry that's I've, that's what that's what they said Marie Stapleton say so to come take care of business uh, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's about someone's missing Marie Stapleton to, to go take care of business it's, it's, uh, right the reincarnation of Marie Stapleton and and not William Hickey man. like I you could have I I could be sold on the William Hickey reincarnation storyline if there were any nod to it other than the string at the end if you had somehow like hey if you had ever seen william hickey look at a postcard for hawaii 
it would have been like, oh, that's totally him. It's the ghost of the dad in mouse form. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, this is one, I mean, you could probably put together yourself, but I thought about this in hindsight. Uh, maybe the reason that he never lived in the house was because it was for the great mouse overseer. And he kept it. He didn't live there. He didn't let anybody else live there. Just the mouse. He, he, it's like uh, the extreme example of those people who have like, separate rooms for their cats and stuff yeah uh, it could be maybe at some point he fell on his head and decided that the uh, the, the mouse is sky jesus i don't know <laughs> the, the, the d like just shows up in the the assessor's office and says hey look by the way piece of paper what do you think about that you know i that, also uh, I, I, luck. i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> You know, I like the the idea that this mouse had to make his own bed. That he was like pulling like you know anchovy tins and cotton and stuff, little little bits of scrap fabric for his little blanket. And I, you know, like again, it's just completely anthropomorphizing this mouse to a degree that I just like. If you're gonna do that, go whole fucking hog. And have him put on costumes and wear little hats and all kinds of <laughs> like he at one point he shows up like in a in a delivery uniform and gives him a package <laughs> that's secretly a bomb. That's what I want from this movie. It has to be laid under the grass of package you like yawning as he comes out of the house and notices a mouse and you know. Right. And we're back to the so You want the mouse again. to stand up on the end, balance on the top of a broom when somebody comes to the door and he's Kind of gesticulating through the through the window as to what he wants. Drop it there. Right. Just a thought. Yeah. I mean, he wears an overcoat, clearly. Well, obviously. Maybe he has a mouse friend that he's standing on top of. Yeah, but I, I like the whole balancing on a broom. For some that oh. works that just works for me. Yeah. Or, or or you can improve the ending of Dead Silence put in this movie to where the mouse is controlling the corpse of William Hickey and he comes back to life again. Kind of, you know, so there is there are very few ways that you could not improve Dead Silence to some degree. I like I don't care. Stock footage, just, you know, temporary blindness. A lot of these things will help that movie. If you would need multiple mice friends, though, to run that thing like the Megazord of the Power Rangers to just, just sort of walk that corpse around. <laughs> like because... a, we, a weekend at Mouse Hunt. Oh, yeah. Do it, man. Yeah. That would have been a better movie. Uh, yeah. Like we've made here this evening, we've made like five different better versions of Mouse Hunt. So you're welcome, people. Okay. You know, See, we yeah. know our audience. <laughs> oh my gosh. This, this is I want to uh, see a, the audience doing, I want to see the audience doing animated versions of the stories that we have described tonight. Yep. That is the homework. I really want to see. I, I like Mouse Hunt in Paradise, Cashing a Jewel Thief. That's your sequel. And, I uh, want to see. That. Does the corpse show up of William Hickey to do some business too? Though I want to know. Did uh, Oh, they put, could animate him in. Put yeah. the voodoo. Put the voodoo curse on him, like like did in Weekend We Get a Birdies too. It, they do say he float out to sea, there so you go. he could he could wash up on the shore. Exactly. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Bo, uh, anything else I'd like to say about the film? We, we, we haven't said enough about it. And what do you give it one to ten? 
Um, no, I feel like we've we've had a pretty intellectual conversation about Mouse Hunt. Um, I, I, I feel like you know the fact that there hasn't been commentary previously. You just point people to this right now, and I think that's as expert a discussion as you're going to hear of this movie. Um, I uh, on a scale of one to ten, like a six. You know, like I said, I would kind of recommend it. And and there's interesting stuff about it, but it's not it's not great. It's okay. That's fair. Suzanne. I'm kind of at a five. I can say watch it for the bits. The the, the bits that work. Ooh. Try to try to ignore the bits that don't, and you'll know them when you see them. That's it. I'm I'm at a hard five. Um I'm at a hard seven, like I did with the money pit. I think it's about about where it is for me, it's better than average. Um, I have a good time watching it um, every time I watch it, and I think I'll have more fun watching it now. Just imagining all the shit that we've added to it that could could have been, you know. Um, so the, that that imagining in my brain while watching it again with all those new that new information that we've absconded uh, might make it eight or a nine if that thing happened. You know, I can imagine in my head uh, yeah. dreaming of a of a mouse vacation. Yeah, the making of a better mouse hunt. Uh, and there's your your uh, episode title, the making of a better mouse hunt. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, that's it for this one, and we'll come back and close out the show. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community. A sort of grand scale, take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at legionpodcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. Like thank uh, Bo for, for coming on, man. Uh, really appreciate it. We hope we showed you a good time. You showed us a good time, sir, with the conversations. Oh, well, thank you very much. No, I had a great time. Uh, it feels like, uh, I'm, I'm not here enough, but then, you know, once I'm on, I totally understand it. Like I always get it when people are like, 
it's probably going to be a while before we have you back. I'm like, I get it. I understand. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I bring a rough crowd with me. Oh, we're, we're I, doing I this weekly, Bo. You know, you're always welcome to come on my show whenever you want to, Bo. I, uh, if you want to make time, I don't care. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, yeah, I say, I say that like I, I do nothing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's always a good time to, to hang out and chat because again, one of the great things about cinema beef is it, you know, it's, it's interesting movies and interesting pairings of movies and not the stuff that you talk about all the time. Uh, then the Nighthawks episode is one of my favorites. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I, I, like I was supposed one. to be on that one, but there, uh, some company thing happened and five minutes before I was set to go on. My husband called me and asked me, do you think you can drive out here? Oh, you say it would have been great. Like, uh, you know, no, no offense, of course, uh, to present company. Uh, there are plenty of great Suzanne episodes as well. I just, I happen <laughs> to be listening to the Nighthawks episode the other day. Uh, oh, I, I'm so Nighthawks is my first or second favorite action movie, depending on mood. Yeah. It's really good. Like I, I, the first time I listened to that episode, it reminded me like, I need to go back and watch Nighthawks. That movie's kind of, kind of rad. Uh, hey, babe, you listened to X's edit of New York's Not My Home, dubbed Nighthawks Not My Home, with uh, with Nighthawks clips uh, clipped in. That's it's, wonderful. It's out of the CV feed. <laughs> I'll, uh, I don't know if I have heard that. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out and also make sure that we don't get in trouble for that. No, that's okay. Uh, it's, it's just Jim Croce. White, white folks understand, you know. Yeah, right. Like, no, <laughs> nobody's looking for Croce copyrights. That's that's practically practically public domain. Ain't nobody covering Croce these days, and that's a crime. So that's the real shame. What you what you got coming up, man? I know it's got to be quite a bit. You're always working. Yeah, always hustling. That's me clocking. Um, I uh, I've got the pick six movies, uh, which is the show I do uh, with Chad. Where my, not not that dissimilar from Cinema Beef in that. We kind of pick a, a theme and then we do six movies uh, for a season. And the seasons are just like it's all made up. We we put out an episode every two weeks, so you know it's <laughs> not like it's not like we're taking breaks or nothing. It's I, just it gives us a breaking point. I look uh, forward to it every time, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. I appreciate, it, man. You no, know, it's a those uh, those shows are a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun. Um, as we record this, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park drops tomorrow. Oh yeah. And, nice. and that will be followed up by Spice World because this season we're doing uh, movies where somebody decided it would be a good idea to make musicians actors. And <laughs> and so uh, we did Stay Away Joe, which is the Elvis Presley movie where he's a Native American gentleman named Joe Lightcloud. I still have to watch this. It's it's as crazy as it sounds and crazier. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we're doing a, a spice world on the heels of uh, kiss meets the fam of the park and then more to come. But we always, and we wait to announce those. We know what we're doing, but you know, we keep it under wraps. Uh, we got our hundredth episode coming up this year. So we're, uh, we've already decided on that movie and, uh, and are, are kind of making plans appropriately. Uh, in addition to that, also bi-weekly is a show called Hero Hero Go Show that is Asian horror focused. Uh, currently looking at the I series from the Ping Brothers with uh, Richard Glenn Schmidt. Um, 
Also, if you uh, jump on our Patreon over at Legion Podcast, I'm the, the kind of editor-in-chief over there. Uh, and I always tell people, like, just subscribe to Legion Podcast. You'll get all this stuff. It, and all of it's good. Um, but uh, if, you, if you're on the Patreon over there, uh, I'm doing a show called The Ouija Experiment Experiment. Um, and that is where we take a scientific approach to evaluating horror movies what have Ouija in the title. And uh, so uh, we're about to do the Ouija Experiment 2. The next month will be uh, Ouija Shark. And then following that, you either of you or all of you uh, are welcome. Just all you got to do is message me and give me a movie with Ouija in the title and say that you want to do it. And when we'll schedule it up. Um, but uh, yeah, and then a bunch of other like administrative legion stuff like that. That's I, I, there's a lot of a lot of work that happens that isn't necessarily like forward facing or anything, but there's a lot of fun shit that we've been doing a lot of, a lot of the video stuff that I'm, I'm really having a good time with. Oh, the list of legends, the list of legends, Gary. Yep. I, was I almost forgot one. about that. Yeah. Almost forgot about that over on our YouTube channel. We do a monthly show where we make a top 20 list and it's the definitive list of whatever it is that we make a list of. I, I confession time. I was half asleep. I was doing that show and I forgot the rules by halfway through. So it's, it's, it's um, my yeah, list, my, my additions could have been better to that list. So there you the, go. The rules are kind of nonsense anyway. Like the, 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 uh, the whole, the whole dumb premise of it is that you can't really make a top 20 list of anything because it's all subjective and dumb. And so we take the approach of no, no, <laughs> no matter what you decide, whatever, like it's so random, like everybody is suggesting movies and whatever gets suggested by virtue of having been suggested is one of the top 20, whatever. And it can be anything. It can be shitty. But so, Gary says, no, no, no. Y'all bitches need to watch verses versus. Okay. You know? Right. Oh and God, I've got to check this out. This sounds hilarious. But but also Gary says versus, and the rest of the group is like that shit's going at the bottom of the list, Gary, and that's where it stayed. So <laughs> and Gary don't care because Gary wants yeah. to bring the the verses to the world. Okay, but that right, but that's kind of the, again that's what I think makes the the list wonderful is that it's full of good ideas and bad ideas in equal measure, and and we stand by. So yes, it would be all, 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 all fancy about it. I said, Hey, watch something this wicked this way becomes because you should or yeah. watch Twilight Zone the movie because that was the thing that I did introduce you to my favorite television show of all time. And, you know, yeah, watch these things. And, but, you know, uh, I didn't. So they're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Hey, you know, it's recorded in history. Now there's no going back. Uh, and, and Suzanne, you'll have to come on sometime. It's a, it's a great deal of fun. Um, oh, I would love to. It so, sounds like a blast. It's it, it it's a lot of fun. I'm trying to get uh I you know, we'll be organizing the next one pretty soon. And uh and, and it's nice because uh I'm I'm the recurring character because I've gotta make it all work. But other than that, it's uh, like I try to get uh brand new faces uh for the first two episodes and we might repeat I mean, naturally we're going to, but it's fun to get a, a mix of people that you don't normally see together, all trying to agree on something that is impossible to agree on. So <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, I, I I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do now, and I and I swear one of these days, and by one of these days, I mean hopefully this year, we're gonna have a, a game show. I keep saying it, and if I say it enough, it's gonna happen. But I know what it is now, and it's it, it's just gonna take some time and effort, and and probably money. Do you have a suit picked out and a long microphone, perhaps? No. All right. So here's the idea, roughly. Uh, and I'm not going to get too deep into it because, uh, you know, I, 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 there are some secrets that I'm going to keep. But I think the way to do it is it, the, the game show itself is going to be hosted by uh, sort of a monster. Uh, and, and I believe his name is going to be Dr. Crypto. And Dr. Crypto will ask horror questions, horror trivia questions to the contestants. So uh, it will be a little bit more like the host will be a bit more of a cartoon complete with puns oh a hundred percent and 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 uh the the stakes couldn't be higher because uh whoever loses dr crypto will eat (laughs) i like it i like it so uh i i that is like i i'm i'm in the early stages of getting that sort of planned and organized and playing with some video components of that and and so far, it all seems to work, but, uh, you know, <laughs> at some point, we're going to have to get serious and, like, hire some artists and shit like that. So uh, it'll, it'll probably be more towards the summer before that happens. But, yes, we're, like, the, the dumb shit we are doing on, on YouTube and with video will continue and get bigger and dumber. I can guarantee that. Suzanne. Oh, NFW, still don't know what our next theme is going to be but we just finished up uh damn it willie's wonderland yeah so that was a trip and yeah stay tuned to that and that would be on the dark discussions network cool yeah lots of irons in the fire nothing happening right this second but um i can tell you the two Venom commentaries will come back with a a rotating cast I'll, i'll take one of the one of the folks from the the OG two room commentaries and probably mix them with two other people. Just keep it four people. Uh, keep it tight, you know, as they say. Uh, speaking of commentaries, go uh, to the Legion Patreon page, which I have no idea why, but today I became a member. And for, I don't know I did a long time ago, but today I'm a member of the Legion uh, Patreon, where you'll find uh, Heather and Scott from the Friday Nightmares podcast joining Bo. Uh, with the Lost After Dark commentary, which Bo was Bo worked on, so check that out. Yeah, that was fun. I, like I, I've said, I, I said this uh, when when they asked me, I was like, I don't really talk about the making of that movie a whole lot. So if you are ever curious about that, uh, you can listen to to that commentary, and it's kind of everything that you wanted to know and probably more. Cool. Yeah, Burning awesome. for Springwood. I'm sorry. Yeah, Burning for Springwood is coming back with uh, myself. Suzanne and Mike Merriman. Um, that's the Freddy's Nightmares thing. We watch them so you don't have to. Um, although some folks like to torture, torture themselves. I don't know why. There's some good ones and some bad ones, but mostly bad ones. Uh, the horror roulette thing it is going to be a thing. I've had a couple folks reach out to me. I mentioned this, I think, on the last show. And um, it's all a matter of getting all those subgenres together and giving them funny names and making lists and getting together with the people and seeing how those split, split squads are going to work. My goal is twice a month for that show to come out and be my first horror thing for Legion. I'm, uh, I'm excited and afraid at the same time because 
I'm not used to doing just horror things. It's just uh, one of those things. Right. I, I said, I said um, long ago that if I did just one horror podcast and it was just horror, I'd probably hang myself in the bathroom. I guess I feel a little better about myself now that I could do just a horror show now. But um, my goal is Without goal the with, hanging, I hope. Without okay. the hanging, yes. Okay, good. Just making it clear. My goal of my goal of goals is to stay away from franchise or in this whole situation, and that's something that everybody does. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure they get they get huge numbers for doing franchise horror, and they enjoy talking about franchise horror. But if um, I'm going to do it, I want it to be like unique. I guess it's not. I, I'm sure it's not the first time I say that D ever came up, but um, you know, putting like 50 or 20 things on a wheel and spinning the wheel and. You know, you might land on creature features, or you might land on killer kid movies, or you might land on an anthology or something like that. It, it'd be fun to see what 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 pops up, and then what what we come up with to talk about. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, um, besides that, um, I can't think of nothing else to, besides that what's coming up. But um, there's the irons in the fire. But um, that's this show. I had a great time tonight. Uh, This has been your Sin Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time.